talk about wealth of knowledge. You, you bring it all together. Put the work in now to get yourself structured and organized and documented. We need to grow this top, top line. There is no one size fits all for this industry. Hello there, thanks for checking out a new episode of the Restoration Masterclass on Profitability brought to you by CNR and Encircle. Today, we have another topic that we are tackling. It is the value of franchising, and I am bringing in a great friend, Mike Hopkins. He is the COO of Paul Davis Restoration. He is a wealth of knowledge on everything that comes to business operations, as well as the restoration industry and franchising, all of that. So I'm excited to have him here today to talk about franchising specifically and how to be profitable if you are in the franchise arena. There have been a lot of franchise opportunities as of late. It seems to be kind of exploding in that arena, but there's also a lot of different ways that franchises are run. Some may be more profitable than others. So anyway, I'm excited to break this down with Mike. So Mike, thank you very much for joining me. I'm going to start by having you introduce yourself for people who don't know you. You bet. Thanks so much. Really glad to be here again, Michelle, and, and appreciate what you bring to our network and the industry um, gosh, talk about wealth of knowledge. You you bring it all together. So thank you for that. Uh, it's it's an honor to be here. So yeah, my name is Mike Hopkins. I'm the chief operating officer here at Paul Davis Restoration. We have 339 offices across the U.S. and Canada. Um, I'm really blessed to be married to an awesome lady and have five great kids, two married kids, one grandkid. Uh, home for me is Cleveland, Ohio, but I'm very often in Jacksonville, Florida, which is where our international headquarters are at. And uh, really excited to be here. Um, appreciate the opportunity. Love this industry. Uh, love that we get to do every day. And uh, thankful that we get to take care of people in their time of need. So uh, grateful for that. So thanks for having me on. Perfect. All right. So how long have you been with Paul Davis and how long have you been in the industry? Yeah, I've been with Paul Davis for seven years, been around this industry, well, restoration only for the seven years, but been around construction since 1992 and, uh, you know, operated my own businesses there as well as worked in other franchise brands as well on a consulting basis. So, um, you know, been around this one for a long time. This was always the industry that I was most interested in, however, uh, because of the complexity and, um, like I just said a minute ago, what we get to do for people and I, there, the, it's hard to say this sensitively for those who aren't in our space, but everyone uh, listening will be in our space. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, building a house is one thing or building a building is one thing, but fixing it after, a, you know, a really bad thing happens is a whole nother skill level. And I have a ton of respect for that, especially when you learn to scale inside that. And that really drew me to Paul Davis. But the bigger thing that drew me to Paul Davis was uh, the people and the values of the organization. So, and that is, done in franchising, which is one of the reasons that you have me on today. Yes. Okay. So why do you feel franchising is such a big draw for people who are going to start a company? Obviously, I love that. That's a nice little plug there. I'll put my Disney one on. Oh, hey, yeah. Sorry. I didn't even think about I, the fact that it had a... That's fine. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. no I know. I, I have to tease when I can. But everybody loves Disney. So uh, yeah. I know. We did the... we Yeah. Anyway, it was my first time there in 2022. So, okay. Anyway... <laughs> Um, all right. Talking about franchising and there, the home services sector of franchising in general has just exploded in the last few years, for sure. So what is what do you think are the big draws for franchising, especially when it relates to profitability? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I a, a few things I would say. So I'll speak glo globally to franchising as it relates first. And then secondarily, Paul Davis is a little bit unique in the franchising space. 
So I think I think the first thing that I would say is that people get excited about branding, of course. Um, you look at track record for organizations, how long have they been around? And the the space is consolidating, right? It's not just it's not just consolidating um, with the carriers, right? So we know that our top ten carriers in the United States is sixty four percent of all policies in force. We know that, right? So that's rapidly consolidating, and those partners typically don't want they don't want to have a national agreement, you know, with someone uh, as a carrier partner who isn't predominantly all over at least the U.S. And um, so that that provides that opportunity. There's also certainty in a lot of areas around uh, franchising. One is that you've got people there um, that train very well. And, and in our space, you know, gosh, Leslie Anderson and her team, she's kind of a legend in this industry. We're really grateful for her. She's even on the IICRC board of directors. And so and she's fun. Right. Which a lot of folks are around there. Um, so that helps a lot. So we've got great training and support. And then you look at um folks who want to get involved and in, in go build a big business, right? Which is what our franchisees want to do. They want to be the number one uh, provider in their space, both to affected clients, but also as the employer of choice. And they need to have the tools to do that, right? So our training team starts them with those tools. Then, you know, in, in our system, we have a three-year three, three year launch program. So you don't just go to owner school and you're done. And then they graduate to working with a regional business coach, that continues to work with them and they have access to so many other people. And so I think most franchises have that available to them. So that's one thing that I would say is that training, that support, that stability. The other thing that a franchise system brings that is very unique is that you, you know, in our network, we have three, 330, well, if you're 339, 338 friends um, who can help you in your business as well. Right. So it's not just, the training and learning and practicing continuous improvement that our brand is all about um, as a, as a home office, but it's also about the fact that they can phone a friend. Right. And we also, so we, we will, we work to gather, you know, um, cultivate as much information as we can from the network. And we'll bring that together and say, here are the best practices that we're seeing um, as well as, you know, they, again, they can just pick up the phone, hop on zoom, uh, go visit another office, uh, yeah. talk about everything from, hey, how do I do this project to, hey, can I take a peek at your profit and loss statement and, and compare, right? So we have a very open network that way. I think I think franchising in general, um, it depends on the network, I would suppose, but um, those net, that network um, influence, if you will, or, or ability to use your friends to help you be better at your business is really, really valuable. Um, and that's a hard one to quantify, um, but I'm really grateful that we have a network that's very open-handed in how they live. And so that's a that's a big piece of it. Other components that you look at there, a lot of our training includes how to make money in this industry, right? So we're looking at you know best estimating practices. Um, we're reviewing estimates. We're using you know different software and technologies to help us with that. Um, you know, and in addition to just practical job site efficiencies, right? So that's a big thing there. I think the um, the other thing is that uh, you know you, you've got benchmarks um, in franchising where they're a little harder to get your hands on when you're not part of a network that will just openly say, you know, here's where we are. I mean, we've even got you know strategic uh, action teams that review pricing 
uh, teach one another and support. We teach our franchisees how to give pricing feedback, both to core logic and to exact. And um, those are also some other things that I think our network does, but I, I would, I would assume some other brands do as well. Yes. I, yes. Okay. All right. Thinking about your, I was digressed there. Um, okay. Thinking about some of your top owners, what are some of your top owners within Paul Davis doing um, some things that they have in common that are helping them be profitable as owners? Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, our biggest um, operation last year was over 55 million in top line sales. And we have many, uh, to, to give you an idea, what we call our lighthouse group, all of them are nearly, are, I guess, 13.8 million and above. And it's a big, it's a big group. And what makes them unique really is, is twofold. Well, it's a few things. What, leadership is key. The market is not as important as the leaders who are leading the organization. What makes them great leaders is, first of all, they've got a great plan, right? They've got some vision. They get a great plan together and they share that vision and that plan with their team. And then sharing that vision with their plan and their team, they, they break that down in, into very logical parts over the course of time in such a way that um, everyone's got very tangible goals to hit. Every person is traditionally um, understands, look, what does a win look like for me? Right. So, so they know I, how to define a win. Um, and how they uniquely fit in the organization, then they, they go execute, right? And a lot of that is a matter of find ways to just say yes. We talk about that. Like if you're feeling like you're way at capacity, um, what are other ways you can do this? Because quite frankly, that homeowner or that business owner reached out to you and they need your help. And uh, how can we accomplish that? And then the other piece of it is that, you know, at the core, uh, each one of them realizes that every person who does phone in, email in, text in, however, you know, stop in, um, they they know that they've got a need that we can help them with. So beyond that vision, that plan and the execution is is really the, the spirit of it or the heart of it uh, with a winning spirit to serve other people. And that is that winning spirit to serve other people might be the deepest part of it um, where you know, you're wired by helping people out, helping your team members win. Um, and that leads to probably a last thing that's not last, but that is really, and I mentioned it earlier, being that employer of choice, you know, are you, a, are you a place that people want to work and they're inspired to be more and better because you're inspired to be more and better as well in, in humility. Do you have any idea how long it takes an average franchise owner to become profitable versus even like an independent I can't speak against it versus an independent. And I also know that our model is a very quick scaling model. So our objectives with our franchisees in, you know, in per territory is to see 1.2 million in year one, 3 million in year two, and 5 million in top line sales in year three. So we're, we're moving very, very quickly, right? So that it's a bit pricier ramp up, but we do see franchisees beginning to make profit in year one. And then year two, they're about halfway to where our objective is for them. And year three, they're usually kind of right, right in line with the network. That's okay. That's amazing. Okay. Anything else that you think that people should know when it comes to profitability, it could be business in general. Like what do you think are, you've talked about this with your top owners, but when you think about running a profitable business, whether it's in construction or restoration or whatever that may be, what is at the heart of that? Yeah. yeah. Great question. So I would say this, 
Uh, you don't have to be a CPA to make to be profitable in this business, any business, quite frankly. And in my experience, what I found is that it really starts with the fundamentals, right? So um, I, I'll work my way out of it here. Very first thing, you know, obviously have a plan like we talked about, a, a big plan, but also per job, make sure you've got a budget for that job, right? Have you built work orders for that project, right? So that you know, here's what we're going to spend. Here's what we've we've agreed to give someone to get the work done. And then after that, and in well, during the project, be tracking that, be keeping track of what's going on there. Look at your, you know, how how are how are job progress, how's job progress going in our world is called a job progress summary. How's the JPS coming along, right? Are we are we on, are we off budget? And, and then also um, as you keep working your way out, clearly you want to make sure you're looking at at the end. Did in you know, did we hit the goal that we planned on at the beginning? So we made a plan, did we hit it? And then uh, throughout the course, you know, the, the end of the month, make sure you're doing a work in progress entry as well so that you really know where you're at. A lot of people don't take, well, A, maybe don't understand, which is that's okay, get the education in it. Um, but when you do, be disciplined to do that so that you understand where your cash is at. And also, are you making the kind of money that you're thinking you're making? Or if you're struggling, where is it that you're exactly struggling? So, and that means obviously keeping proper track and very updated books on, you know, what's our, what are our payables? You know, what are our receivables and how are our teams doing on efficiencies? Right. So um, that would be the biggest thing, but I think to, to work your way up to say a, a work in progress entry, a whip entry really begins with being disciplined at the forefront to have a really good plan of what we're going to, you know, what we intend to spend on the job and how we're doing on that with, you know, as we move forward. So there's a few, a few fundamentals and I also would share one other thing on that is don't make sure you share that with your team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they, they need to be in on it. And so they need to know it. But then also I, we're, I'm a really big fan of what I call common sense of purpose. So everybody tugging the oars the same direction. Um, everybody's, well, not everybody, lots of people have gone whitewater rafting um, with folks who either don't paddle when they're in the rapids or yeah, don't paddle is usually the most common thing. And they end up out of the boat or the boat's upside down. We it, Even when we're moving quickly, we've got to keep the discipline of continuing to row. And um, that's a that's a big deal, especially when you think of designing compensation structures for uh, key team members as well. So if there's something that as an owner, whether you're a franchise or you're independent, um, it, you, you want to make sure that profit is tied to uh, other people's compensation too, so that you're all in it together. Right? Yeah, that makes good sense. Okay. I did think of another question related to, you know, there's always chatter in the industry about TPA work and traditionally in franchises, you are more connected to TPA work potentially than not in franchise, depending on the franchise model, I suppose. But what are some of the, um, what is some of the advice or instruction or coaching you give to your franchisees to be profitable when they're doing specifically program work? Yeah, great question. So to us, we define program work a little differently than others okay. in that, yes, there's TPAs and, and a lot of our franchisees do work with TPAs, but also we have direct repair partnerships, manager repair programs, you know, that that sort of deal with, with uh, many of the big carriers. And um, so to first is perspective. So if you're an independent, um, you may go, okay, what are my verticals out there? As I, if, as I survey my landscape of the type of work that I do, what kind of verticals am I pursuing? So that may be a particular industry sector, right? 
Um, but it doesn't have to just be that. So I encourage people to think about different carriers and TPAs as verticals as well. So the expectations are a little bit different. Some are a little more profitable than others. Some are different to work with than others. You just need, you need to know your client, right? And so um, to, to be profitable with that, first of all, is to know your client. Right. So when you when you're working with a third party administrator that has a carrier that has you know service level agreements that are put in place, it's crucial that your team understands that so that they can hit those objectives. It's very rare in the world that um, you go to take a test and someone's given you this, the answers already. Mm-hmm. But in our space with those partnerships that are more direct, right, where it's program work for us, we would call that or third party administrator. They tell you what a win looks like. So you know, you know if you're winning or losing. Did we contact them on time? Did we get there? In, you know, on you know within four hours, there's their estimate upload done. You look at all that stuff. So that's the I would say that's the big thing. But to be profitable at it, we actually find that we do uh, nearly as well on every single type of program like that as we do when it's outside of a direct program or a TPA. And the reason is because the standards that are set inside those programs are ones that customers appreciate anyway. So. Uh, the biggest deal to us is set the expectation, hit the expectation. If you have a hard time hitting the expectation, why is that, right? Is it is it a tra- is it a training issue? Um, was there an issue outside of your control that we can look at mitigating in the future? So, I would just say that I think the biggest thing is that outlook. You know, that to treat every every carrier, every TPA that you might work with um, in such a way that you remember that they're different. I like it. Okay, perfect. Mike, thank you very much. Okay, anything else that you want to add related to profitability or franchising or anything like that? Well, I would say this. Um, the the one thing that surprised me, so I was a franchisee for almost 15 years um, in the construction industry with one of our sister brands. And it shocked me the kind of relationships that can be built. And because of the skill level of people that come in, how big business can, businesses can get inside franchising. Right. So um, that allowed me to work with more sophisticated business owners, which allowed my skills to get sharpened um, to really learn how to run a bigger business as well. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. That was a quiet surprise for me. Um, When I first got involved in franchising, I thought, well, this is nice. Um, Someone will help me answer the phones. I won't have to order this or order that. I can just push a button and order it. Um, Yeah, I'll pay a little bit of royalty, but this is great. Two things came from it, incredible relationships and great equity at the end. That's the other piece. These businesses are worth more money because they've got a well-known brand that a lot of people can embrace and understand that they don't have to necessarily be from this industry to come in and be great at it. So that's just some little things for me that were uh, really pleasant and fun surprises. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for your time and your expertise. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll cross paths sometime this year. Absolutely. Thanks, Michelle.